If you are in the 81% of aspiring authors out there, stop aspiring and start writing with Readsy. Readsy allows indie authors to find and work with the best publishing professionals, from developmental editors to book cover designers to publicists. Just sign up for an author profile, browse the extensive marketplace of professionals, find the best fit for your project, and set a collaboration in motion. And with built-in contracts, protection, and mediation from Readsy, finding qualified freelancers, editors, designers, and marketers as a self-published author just got a lot easier. Go to readsy.com today to sign up and set your first collaboration in motion. That's R-E-E-D-S-Y dot com. Some of the things you can't do because either you can't afford it or you don't have the time. I still don't really understand how I do it. A lot of things change, but there's still best practices. That sort of story is inspirational to a lot of wannabe writers out there who feel they have a book in them but are living a totally different life at the moment. When you know you don't know anything, it, it took my ego out of it because I, was, I just wanted to learn. Taking a book the whole nine yards, from an idea in your head to words on a page, from a scribble on a napkin to a listing on Amazon, that's easier said than done. But it's also easier than you'd think. I'm your host, Casimir M. Stone, and this is Readsy's Best Seller, the podcast demystifying the process of self-publishing a book for aspiring novelists everywhere, one episode at a time. This is Addendum 9, Moving Too Fast. It's easy to assume that perfect matches don't exist outside of romance novels. After all, the whole point of the books is that they're too good to be true. According to the Romance Writers of America, the genre is literally defined by a quote, emotionally satisfying and optimistic ending. But there is at least one perfect match in the real world, and for aspiring authors, it can often be your surest shot at a fairy tale ending. I'm talking about romance writing and indie publishing. If you ever wondered why so many romances seem to pop up on the Amazon charts every month, rest assured there is a very good reason. Long before ebooks were even a thing, romance novels seemed designed to be self-published. Outside of the infamous Harlequin Enterprises, there are very few traditional publishing houses interested in the genre. In the literary world, romance is a bit of a taboo which might explain why readers are more comfortable turning digital pages on an ebook than flipping through a paperback with Fabio on the front. And then, of course, there's the question of demand. Because the books are short, standard, and sensational, readers go through them quicker than any other genre, and they're always in the market for more. It can take years for trade houses to put out a novel, but through KDP, it takes minutes. And that, in a nutshell, is how indie publishing best practices emerge. Authors identify a reader demand, and then a way to capitalize. I mean, they're just best practices in self-publishing. In this case, they came up with the rapid release strategy, a tried and true method of delivering dozens of romance bestsellers and keeping your books and name on the Amazon charts for years. The idea is simple. By releasing a new book every few months, you give your readers, not to mention the Amazon algorithms, exactly what they want. This keeps your book from falling off the 30-day cliff, the month after a book's release during which it's given increased visibility on Amazon, and it keeps the money rolling in, for as long as you can keep the books rolling out. So why doesn't everyone do it? 
The rapid release strategy is, by definition, a best practice. It is a commercial procedure that has been proven to produce optimal results. But it also assumes certain things that aren't true for every author, like say that you have the time to churn out a new book every month, or that you have the money to professionally edit and format 12 books a year, or that you even want to write a dozen books, when for most of us, one is more than enough work. My books are better because I take longer. That's Jamie Albright. She's the author of what, for many romance writers, might be considered a very limited bibliography. I have a four-book series and called Brides on the Run. In fact, she's made a career out of releasing only one book a year, and she now speaks and writes regularly on how she made tens of thousands of dollars off a mere handful of novels. I'm doing a talk at 20 books to 50K on how to put books out slower and make money. But not everything about Jamie is so unconventional. Quite the opposite, actually. Name an obstacle that the average aspiring author faces, and I can pretty much guarantee Jamie faced it too. She didn't have the time. If you can put books out fast, that's a great practice. I'm not wired that way. She didn't have the money. We had no extra money. She didn't have the knowledge. I knew I didn't know anything. And she didn't have the confidence. One of the stories I told myself was that I uh, I wasn't as smart as some people. Except, that is, when she got a little overconfident. And I thought, I know, I'll write Jennifer a book for her birthday. I had three months. I mean, come on. What she did have, however, was a goal. My monetary goals are just to, you know, set up stuff for retirement. I mean, we have retirement you know, my hus- with my husband's job and everything. But I, as a, a stay-at-home mom, I didn't contribute to a 401k and I didn't contribute to, you know, long-term savings through my job. So that's not going to be the goal for a lot of people because they start younger. They don't have to really think about that. But I do. But when you're facing those kind of odds and the only answer out there is to write a new book every month, it's easy to see why you might give up. So how did Jamie make it through? More importantly, how did she make it on her own terms? Let's start at the beginning. Although for Jamie, it was more like the middle. I turned 50 and I was at dinner with my family and I said, I think the only thing I really regret, you know, as you reflect on your life when you turn 50, is that I never finished that book. And then, you know, That was sort of the end of it. And a few months later, my daughter came in and said, Mom, I think your book is on this flash drive that I found in my car. So I dusted it off, joined (laughs) Romance Writers of America. And five months after I joined Romance Writers of America, I went to a critique group that they had. Particularly for new authors, it can feel like you're tackling self-publishing all by yourself. But that's not the case. There are many organizations out there to help like-minded writers connect, such as Romance Writers of America, an exclusive nonprofit that only offers membership to authors who can prove they're serious about pursuing a career in writing romance. But for those who can, it's well worth it, whether for the annual conference, for networking with members such as Nora Roberts and Susan Elizabeth Phillips, or for simply finding another pair of eyes to look at your writing. I gave them 10 pages of that book and um (laughs) it was brutal but it was good it was good you know critique circles are another excellent avenue for new writers to find their footing 
providing an opportunity to see firsthand how potential readers react to your writing. These groups usually allow you to share a piece of your work for feedback, but only after you've critiqued someone else's, so they also offer a chance to hone your own critical eye. And it doesn't matter where you live, or even if you don't have a genre yet, there are plenty such groups online, whether on Facebook, in forums such as Absolute Right and Insecure Writers Group, or websites like the aptly named Critique Circle. And for Jamie, finding others to critique her work led to more than just a tearful car ride home. They uh, spent about six months really, really kicking my butt, and um, I would cry, and but only in the car going home. It also led to her first foray into publication. In the middle of that, I co-wrote a book with my critique partner that I put out under a different name. Even if it wasn't exactly a successful one. The problem is we didn't know what to do. I mean, we had a good cover. We had it, you know, it was professionally edited, but it was not, it just went up and it was a drop in the sea of books and nobody knew it was there. For an aspiring author without the time, money, or know-how to publish a string of instant bestsellers, you pretty much have two options. Either learn how to make do without, or you throw your book out into the ether and hope for the best. At first, Jamie went with the latter, and predictably, it didn't exactly work out. That said, if there's one thing I learned about Jamie during our conversation, it's that she doesn't stay down for long. I just think because I was a little bit older, I wasn't really very arrogant. If somebody told me something wasn't working, I'd go, okay, well, how do I make it work? So if you give me some rules to follow, I will, I will do those things. So before doing things on her own terms, she realized that she'd have to learn everyone else's terms first. I went to Indie Publishing University, pretty much. I listened to every podcast I could get my hands on, and I took notes, and I read books, and I talked to people. And, I mean, they're just best practices in self-publishing. They just are. And those are the things I concentrated on, because I knew things changed really fast. So think something that worked for somebody the year before I put the book out might not work for me a year later. But there are best practices of... Built, trying to build an email list, um, getting your branding on target, having your book professionally edited, having a great cover that is on market, and knowing your market. Those are just best practices that don't ever change. And so those are the things I really concentrated on during that time. Jamie's story is an important one for aspiring authors because on paper, she is the archetype of the aspiring author. The type of person who's always wanted to write a book, but whether because of time, money, knowledge, or life getting in the way, never does. Yet, although it took her until the age of 50 to finally pick up a pen, she has now achieved her goal and made writing a career. And she got there in a very precise way, by finding an individual solution for every obstacle in her path. But first, she did something many new authors fail to do. And she started with the most important obstacle. Rather than worrying about time or stressing about money, she patiently learned a business that she knew nothing about. So I sat on that book for a year. I wrote the second book, and that was the best thing I could have ever done. Just waiting so that I had a plan for launching that book. Without it, it would have just ended up being the same thing as the first book, where you just put it up and go, hope somebody will see it. 
So what does a marketing plan look like for an author without a writing background, a series, or even a budget? So when the book one came out, um, I had two kids in college and I was paying for a wedding. So we had no extra money at all. So any money I needed that went towards books had to be earned outside of our normal household budget. And so I sold Plasma to pay for my edits on the on the first book. I went for about three months. But when I started, I was involved in a group promo that cost me nothing. And by the time the book came out, I had 1,200 people on my newsletter, li- on my email list. And that was really, really important because those 1,200 people wanted my book. And so I, I had an audience of 1,200 people to send the book out to. So that didn't cost me very much. What did you do kind of as an unknown entity to build a you know, newsletter of 1,200 people before you'd even launched a book? A, a friend of mine in a group I was in on Facebook was doing a group promo a preview. So everybody in the promo, I think there were 12 of us or something, they just put up a preview of their book. So I put up three chapters. And the first round of promos, I think I got 80 people, 82 people, and I was thrilled, thrilled with 82 people because I didn't have any. Then another author that I was working for, she did a promo and she said I could put my preview in with, and there were like 20 or something of full, these were full books. And I got the rest of those people, you know, 1,100 more people uh, signed up from that promo. So for six weeks, I sent an email every week. And each email was a reflection of me and the kind of books I write. Like the first email I sent was this ridiculous, crazy story about how I put my daughter's pants on. I thought they were mine. And I thought I'd gained all this weight in like a week and I couldn't figure out what was going on. So these people knew what they were getting from the from the beginning. And so when the book came out, they were they were ready to buy it. Real quickly, and how, how do you- Thank you, Mark Dawson, by the way. Oh yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, for you, you know, for that whole year that I'm studying indie publishing, Mark, Mark Dawson keeps saying, you need to build your email list, build your email list before you put a book out. And I wanted to punch him in the throat because how do you build an email list when you don't have anything to give away? I didn't have a book. I am i don't write fast, so I couldn't write another book. But when this opportunity came up, I knew to jump on it because I knew that was the best, best practice to build this email list. Most of you already know that building an email list is perhaps the most important self-publishing best practice. But building one before you have a single book is not exactly easy. So how do you do it? In Jamie's case, it involved taking full advantage of group promos. But what are those? How would an aspiring author today get involved in a promo like the ones that you use to build your your email list? Um, you can do that on Prolific Works or Book Funnel. Um, they have promos that other people have set up that you can be involved in, or you can set up your own promo and get in, you know and get other people involved in it. And you can do promos to build your newsletter, or you can do promos for sales. Um, or if you're in KU, you, Kindle Unlimited, you can do a promo for that. 
So Book Funnel and Prolific Works are those places. In addition to Prolific Works and Book Funnel, there are dozens of book promotion services out there to help indie authors generate hype for new novels, or for those that haven't even been published yet. In fact, Readsy has compiled an entire database of said services. I'll leave a link in the show notes. The point is, after taking the time to learn the industry, Jamie knew that tried and true best practices like the rapid release strategy and massive marketing pushes simply weren't realistic for her. But instead of focusing on what she couldn't do, she scaled down and made do with what she had already. And in the end, by taking her time and reinvesting everything she made, Jamie's patience paid off. Literally. I did do some Amazon marketing services ads, some AMS ads, and I started at $2 a day. Now, in romance in particular, it's really hard to start that low and and move the dial with AMS ads, but at the time, that worked for me. And believe me, I was like, I launched on the 11th and I was counting the days to the end of the month and going, okay, that times two, how much is that? Can I, you know, can I squeeze that amount of money out? And then when I got my, you know, when I found out how much I earned, it was well worth it. You know, I had, I think I spent $130, but I made $1,800. So, you know, I put that money back into advertising. so that's how you do it when you don't have a lot of money to advertise your book. Great. Um, so now where you're at with marketing, you're on your fourth book. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe you mentioned that you spend maybe larger than the average author on marketing. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. Well, more than the average author with four books because of my goals. And some of those have to do with the fact that I was 50 when I started, but I was 53 when I put. Po- Publish the first book. Um, you know, my goals are different than somebody that's 30 or even 40. And so because of that, I want I want my name and my books to be out there as much as possible. I don't take a loss. Um, I'm, I still make way more than I spend, but I do spend more than probably most people do. So where where does most of that um, marketing money go? Like how, how do you prioritize what you need to do, especially in the specific case when it's like maintaining visibility for a book well after? Facebook ads, right now, Facebook ads. The whole first year I used Amazon marketing services ads and they worked great for me. The whole, for six months, I kept the book in the top 5,000 with Amazon marketing services ads, and I wasn't spending that much. I mean, I was spending at the height of what I was spending with just the one book out, it was maybe $300, which I know is a lot. I mean, at the time, it would have been a lot for me, except I was making more than that and putting it back into advertising. But then they kind of quit working for me, and I don't really know why. But then I started using Facebook ads and they were game changers for me. Um, I I waited a year to do those two to learn them because I didn't want, I was was kind of afraid of them. Uh, Amazon was sort of safe at the time because if they were spending your money, you were making money. Facebook will just spend your money and they don't care. I mean, you can spend a bunch of money and not make anything if you don't know what you're doing. So I took that time to really try to learn what I was doing. Jamie Albright should never have been able to write a book. 
Like so many aspiring authors out there, she didn't have the connections, knowledge, money, or time it typically takes to make it in the self-publishing industry. But after waiting to start writing for 50 years, she was willing to wait a little longer to get things right. Whether that meant connecting with other authors through online organizations, spending a year diving into podcasts and blog posts to learn the ins and outs of the industry, selling plasma just to turn a tiny marketing profit that she could eventually reinvest and grow, or working hard to perfect one book a year instead of cranking out dozens. But above all else, while Jamie knew the value of learning from those who came before her, she also knew when to stay her own course. Uh, I really want to have things set in place that, so that when my husband retires that we we have this kind of residual income coming in and that I am still writing. Um, while it makes me nuts sometimes because I look around at what everybody else is doing, if I, if I keep my eyes on my own page and, you know, stay in my lane, then I... I can see that I've set thing I've set things up in such a way that people don't expect a book for, a book a month from me or even a book every six months from me. But when a book of mine is coming, there are people that know about it and want that book. So those are my goals to be able to publish for a long time, but without having to kill myself in the process. When everywhere you look, people are telling you that the only path to success is the path they took it can be easy to stop moving forward, especially if there are things in your life blocking that path. I think there's just a lot of chatter about how it should be done. And so it's harder for people when they don't do it that way to do it and be okay with it. Even me, I mean, like I I make money, I'm, I'm doing great. But I still struggle with the fact that I don't put books out fast because everyone else does. And you're not supposed to be able to do that. And so because of that, I keep waiting for the next shoe to drop. And I just feel like a lot of people are kind of in that boat, you know, that they, they're worried that if they don't do it like everyone else, they won't be successful. But take it from Jamie. There is always a way forward if you know where you want to wind up in the end. There's so many resources out there. I mean, podcasts that are so good and basically tell you what other people have done and just trying to replicate those things, but you have to do it on your level. Like I can't expect to go in and replicate something, say, um, Sky Warren, who is a huge romance author. I can't do that because I don't have her budget. But I, there are things I can do that if I scale it down, I can do a lot of the same things. I just have to do it on a smaller level. And I think that's what I, in the beginning, that is what I did. I never looked at it like I, I'm new. I'm just starting. I mean, I hit the ground expecting things to work out because I was I was mimicking and replicating things that people farther ahead of me had done. I was just sizing it down to what I could manage, which was $2 a day for an AMS ad. So that's what I would do. I would, I would try to replicate what other people are doing, but you have to scale it down to what is manageable for you. Brought to you by Readsy, this is Bestseller. Over the course of these addendums, we'll check in with a handful of indie authors to get their unique takes on the journey to self-publication. This episode was written, hosted, and produced by me, Casimir M. Stone. If you liked it, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Our guest today was Jamie Albright. 
You can purchase her books on Amazon or on her eponymous website, jamiealbright.com. That's J-A-M-I-A-L-B-R-I-G-H-T dot com. And you can follow her on Instagram or Twitter at jamiealbrightauthor. This podcast, like so many self-published books out there, is made possible by Readsy, a marketplace that connects indie authors with the tools that traditional publishing houses would usually provide, such as editors, book cover designers, and publicists. You can learn more about Readsy on Instagram at readsy underscore HQ, on Twitter at readsyhq, or online at r-e-e-d-s-y dot com. And please stay tuned for more addendum episodes, as well as the premiere of our fourth season, coming soon to iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or the podcatcher of your choice.